This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome into the final inspection show on 105.7 FM, thefan.com. Jeff Orlowski keeping Steve Zaki's seat warm while he's down in Indianapolis for the Indianapolis 500. The final inspection is brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, and the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. It's my pleasure to welcome in, starting off the show on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Mr. Roy Henning, the head honcho at Great Lakes Dragaway. Now, Roy, before we get started here, let me just give a big thank you to you, not only for being a fantastic sponsor of this show and everything else you do for the station, but everybody, all the race car fans in Wisconsin owe you a debt of gratitude as well for all that you do for them. So my hat's off to you, sir. Well, we got to give more of the uh, credit to my dad. He's the guy that's the, uh, the day-to-day, the man behind the guy, the guy behind the guy. You don't see him hardly ever. Uh, everybody hears me and sees me, but uh, he's, uh, he's more the guy that takes care of and does all the work and has kept Great Lakes Dragway rolling and uh, is doing all the uh, constant upgrades and things like that. But I'm going to have to have just a tiny little uh, bit of uh, uh, something to say about the greatest uh, day in racing being tomorrow because – I think Great Lakes Dragway, we've been doing this Memorial Day show now for 40-plus years, and I'm not sure however, how many other uh, drag race or just race events have been going on for that long. So we like to pride ourselves on uh, good weather. You know where you can go on Memorial Day weekend, and that's Great Lakes Dragway. Yeah, I agree with you. You guys have been doing it forever. You got another jam-packed super show Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Everybody get out there. Got the slingshot dragsters, jet cars, old school funny cars. Tell us all about it. Yeah, we've got the uh, you know it's the big uh, you know noise and fire and uh, you know type of show uh, weekend. Um, you know we got wheel standers, we got uh, you know nitro funny cars, dragsters, we got uh, the jet cars of course, which is uh, you know one of the big attractions. Um, and then we just got uh, you know just the regular old race cars that uh, you know door slammers and nitrous and the Chicago wise guys. And uh, basically, you know, the pro race guys that, uh, you know, hit the circuit and do this stuff every weekend and really know how to, uh, you know, get down the track. Uh, so it's a lot of fun, you know, plus we, uh, you know, are doing a lot of other things out there. 
Uh, we've got a few new sponsors this year. Uh, David Gruber and Associates has uh, put his name behind the racetrack, so that's really cool. Uh, we've got House of Harley-Davidson that are sponsoring some of our bike nights uh, that happen uh, every week. And so we've got a lot of new things going on. We're building some new buildings, uh, you know, just making the grounds a little bit better, always doing improvements, uh, you know, trying to make, uh, you know, the experience better for, you know, the spectators and the racers, uh, which actually included a whole new starting area this year. Uh, for the racers so if anybody hasn't been out there yet uh you'll definitely notice uh you know all new asphalt and concrete uh, by the starting line which is uh, pretty cool yeah that's what i love about your place besides being you know just a fantastic place to see an event you guys are constantly constantly upgrading and improving it and making it even better for the fans it, it's fantastic yeah we really pride ourselves on you know not just being a spectator racetrack but a participation racetrack and we really try and, you know, push people to bring their own cars out and don't do stupid stuff on the streets. And, I mean, the, the cost is only $35, not, of course, this weekend because we've got the professional show going on. Uh, but on, you know, almost any other day of the year, you know, 35 bucks, you get there at 5 o'clock, you take as many races as you can until 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. You know, we've got EMTs, we've got safety stuff everywhere. Um, it's just a really fun time that you can come out with your buddies and play with your car and, like I said, you know, not go to jail and get a ticket afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say you guys are the are the better alternative by far. Now uh, I know I, I haven't met you in person, but uh, but I, I like to eat, Roy. What uh, what kind of food you feeding me this weekend? Well, that's the other thing that my dad prides himself on is that uh, he's you know that uh, like closet chef at heart, kind of just uh, kind of like Leroy Butler, who actually we have Leroy Butler coming out this afternoon from two to six, so. If anybody uh, is thinking about coming down, bring down uh, you know a piece of memorabilia, have Leroy sign it, take a picture, or buy something there. Uh, but my dad really prides himself on having some of the best, and which I think that we were voted in some type of publication as one of the best track food uh, you know tracks in the country. Um, but everything from you know burgers and brats and pizza and chicken wings, um, we've got you know also have uh, you know food trucks where we've got. You know, tacos and gyros and ribs and barbecue chicken. And, I mean, basically, if you're looking for it, if you think you're going to see it at a cookout, we've got it at the track. Yeah, yeah, well, oh, that sounds delicious. You're making me hungry already, and I just got done eating 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a little bit of breakfast, but I had to, you know, control myself before I got down there because by the time I leave, I don't eat for about a day afterwards. Well, you couldn't ask for a nicer uh, a nicer day for weather now. Like you said, uh, Leroy Butler's down there. Everybody, you got to get down uh, Great Lakes Dragway today, tomorrow. And tickets are cheap to get in this weekend, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, we also, you know, that's another thing we always watch on is we're watching Summerfest. We're watching, you know, other ticket prices for other sporting events. So this weekend is basically our most expensive weekend, but it's still only 35 bucks to go for a day. And that includes, when you think about other racetracks and racing-type events, that includes, quote-unquote, a pit pass. You can walk around the pits. You can stand next to the guy's cars. You can ask for an autograph. You can get a picture. Um, there's no added expenses to get in and walk around the place. Um, and it also we have, uh, you know, half price for kids. Um, and then, you know, real little kids, we, we let in for free. Uh, you can see all the age brackets and prices, um, you know, greatlakesdragway.com. Uh, but it really isn't isn't too expensive. And uh, the same thing that we do with our, you know, bar and our food prices is that we try and make sure that uh, we come in below Lambeau Field and Miller Park and Summerfest 
because uh, we want to make it affordable for families, and that's kind of you know what we're uh, what we're built around. Yeah, and it's fantastic, and I'll tell you, I appreciate it. I've got three kids, and you know, so if me and the wife take the three kids over to to Miller Park, it's a two three hundred dollar day. It is not like that when we go down to Great Lakes Dragway. So my hats off to you. Appreciate it, and uh, and have a great weekend. You know, the racing's going to be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. And, uh, yeah, the weather looks great today. We may have a few sprinkles tomorrow morning. But even so, as long as it clears up in the early afternoon uh, to mid-afternoon, we'll be running tomorrow. Uh, Same show from 5 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. So come down either day or both days. And then Monday we actually have open racing where you can uh, come on Monday and pay your $35 and – go down the same track that that guy just went uh, 250 miles an hour down. <laughs> well, that sounds great. Roy, again, thank you so much for all you do for our station, for Wisconsin racing in general, and, ha- you know, <laughs> have a great weekend out there. I, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. All right, you too. When you come down next time, I'll have to buy you some ribs. Oh, sounds good. I'm in. <laughs> All, right, All right. Thank talk to you. Soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. There's Roy Henning on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When you're ready to get into or back into the housing market, look no further than Great Midwest Bank. Visit greatmidwestbank.com to take the next step towards your new home. Now, when we come back, uh, on the final inspection show here, we're going to hear from Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe as they break down everything NASCAR. You're listening to the final inspection show here on 105.7 FM, thefan.com. Welcome back to 105.7 FM, The Fan. Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Talking NASCAR here on a Saturday afternoon. And Lori Monroe, that all-star race last week, (laughs) not exactly the most thrilling race. Is that sort of a preview of what we're going to see for 600 miles on Sunday? God, I hope not. That had to be... And I hate to even say it, but that had to be one of the most lackluster races I can remember seeing in a while, especially for an all-star race. What gets me is I was looking forward to these uh, the extra segment, and this sort of brings me to the Coke 600 coming up. I kind of think maybe more is not good because with the all-star race... And I know it's a shorter it's a shorter deal anyway. You just sort of got into a rhythm of watching all of a sudden, okay, we're gonna it's time to to end the segment. It just added such a lack of continuity to everything. I I did not like that at all. But you know, the racing to me was just not not up to standard anyway for anywhere. It's awful. It's awful. And adding this extra run of this uh, sticky stuff to the track, though, I'm hoping that that is yes. going to help this weekend. I hope it does. Yeah, Charlotte put a lot of that traction compound down on the upper lane. and With a weed really, sprayer. Yeah, with a weed <laughs> sprayer. It's, you know, that stuff worked great on the, uh, on the cement mm-hmm. at Bristol Motor Speedway. I'm not so sure... It's going to have quite the same effect at Charlotte on asphalt, but we'll certainly see. Well, isn't it made specifically for cement? It is. It is. It's a drag yeah. racing compound is, is what it really yeah. is. But it's been used by some short tracks 
with some success in in short track stock car racing. I don't know of anyone who's used it on a mile and a half track with cars going 200 miles an hour into the corner. So we're certainly in for some excitement, if nothing else. Yeah, and and you know who's really going to be road testing it is Kyle Larson because oh, he'll be yeah. starting from the back, unfortunately. So it's going to be interesting to see how he utilizes that. Very strange. Uh, sort of two different stories coming out of qualifying tech. His car didn't pass tech, and he didn't get a chance to even lay down a lap. And right on the air said, oh, the machine broke. Yeah. And NASCAR fired back, oh, it wasn't the machine that was broke. You didn't push the car up right, so you had to take it down and push it up again, and then you ran out of time. They were so defensive, I don't believe a word they said. Yeah, and, and Kyle Larson said his, the car ultimately did pass, but yeah, they only had like seconds to get the thing out on the track. But another thing he said, too, he says, oh, I don't understand how all this stuff works. You hear this a lot from drivers. I wish, you know, and even in the in the drivers' meetings, they'll say, oh, we got to remind you to do this. You know, there's don't go below the yellow line. You know, it depends what track they're at, all this stuff. They have all these rules at all the different tracks. And drivers will not know it. Wouldn't that be the one damn thing you're supposed to know? You only got one thing to do out there, and that's race and know what you're doing. And to to screw up certain things, I don't get it. So Kyle Larson he really needs to take it upon himself to learn some stuff. Come on, I Kyle. Would, I would think if you're competing in the sport, you'd kind of be interested in the rules and how they yeah. work. It's crazy. It is yeah. crazy. Well, also in the news this week, Regan Smith is the super sub in the 43 car. That was a pretty good choice. Yeah, and I forget. I think we talked last week or, or off the air or something. I, I knew somebody was the super sub a few years ago every time somebody's wife got pregnant. That was Regan Smith. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, you had the right guy. We just couldn't put a name on it because nobody's been pregnant for a little while. You know, no, this and this is it. And if the wives, if Regan Smith showed up, everybody had to go check their wives because he was filling in for all the uh, all the drivers with pregnant wives. Yeah. And the pregnancy oh, yeah. tests will be getting checked out this week for sure. Also in the NASCAR <laughs> news, the 2018 schedule came out and some real interesting changes, including the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway is going to be used for the fall race. I am just I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. It's it's all very weird and foreign, and there's a lot of people up in arms about it. But could it be any worse than what we have seen recently? I say give it a go, see what happens. I know the track wasn't made for doing this, but uh, for so, but just give it a chance. I'm I'm all for it. It'll be, if anything, a cluster frustration. Well, it is going to be crazy. That's for sure. But I yeah. just. I don't know what brilliant mind said, you know what would be great in a playoff elimination race, trying mm-hmm. something we've never done before. I but you just... know what? It, it always, it, this, it comes down to who can make the best adjustments, who can adapt. If they want to make sweeping rule changes every weekend, do it. Just go ahead and do it because it's all going to come down to which crew chief and which driver can best make use of what the new rule is that day. Why not? Breaking news. The NHL has asked Brian France to help out for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he says, let's try a square puck for the first time ever. 
There well, you, you know, why not? Everybody. The thing is, at the end of the day, everybody be playing by the same rules. So who cares? This is very true. Well, well, at this is... point, who cares? Very good point, Laurie Monroe. Well, it is time for us to step out and take a quick break before our still blowing of the week. You're listening to the final inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Oh, don't go anywhere, Dennis and Lori. Let's get that still blowing going right now, please. Fan. Light, lightning. It is that time of the day. We're a team in, team in a when the dog sings, it is time to blow up some stills. There it is. It's time for a good old-fashioned still-blowing. Laurie Monroe, can you tell us how this works? Yes, there'll be something in the world of NASCAR or racing everywhere that will ultimately offend or frustrate you. And we are here to blow up its still. So if you have something that upsets you, you can head over to racetalkradio.com and send us a message from there. There's a beautiful form that you can fill out and we can read it and we can uh, we can include you in our still blowings. Very, very good indeed. Mm. Laurie Monroe, do you have a still that needs blowing this week? I kind of do, and it's probably uh, a reaction to other people's reaction of the All-Star race. And I know I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I didn't think it was a great race. Nice that Kyle Bush won at that track. But uh, I don't know. I kind of get tired of people shaming race fans, and I just look at it as myself. I, I get tired of people shaming me for being a NASCAR fan because you see it everywhere on social media. Yeah, you, you, you write something nice about NASCAR, and people just instantly are all over you. Like, you know, it's NAS crap, and, you know, there's nobody in the stands. Why would you follow that? That's not racing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it gets to the point where you almost feel like you you shouldn't even say anything. Well, I, I'm sick of that. I I am uh, 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 an absolutely in-your-face NASCAR fan, and I, I absolutely love it all. You don't have to like everything. It can be frustrated by stuff. That's why we hear the blow-up stills. But I just get really frustrated with people trying to shame you into, you know, make shame of you being a NASCAR fan. I don't like that. Yeah, the race was awful. There's no doubt about it, but it was still better They're than not watching all going to be great. Yeah, it's still better than watching a baseball, football, or trying to tolerate any of this NBA or crap. no race. How about it just no a, race? Would, would no people race. be happy if there was no racing at all? Yeah, no, that is very, very true. You're you're I'm right tired on of the being money shamed there. Shamed for being it, a NASCAR fan. Yeah, about the only thing more exciting than racing is an ultimate frisbee game. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, my yeah. still blowing has to do with the NASCAR media and their constant berating of the fans. I cannot oh. believe that these guys get paid indirectly or directly by NASCAR to report on the sport and then have the audacity to beat up on the fans in this specific <laughs> incident that got my ire up this week the 2018 schedule came out and the chicagoland race which has been in a very nice comfortable weather environment of september was moved back to its july date which can often be hotter than hades 
in Illinois and very uncomfortable for the fans. And one fan from Chicagoland Speedway said, you know, that's it for me. I've had season tickets here since you moved to the September date. I'm not going back to that July date. You should have run the race at night if you're going to have it in the middle of the summer. I'm finished. And Pete Pistone beat this guy up. Well, it could be just as hot in September as it is in July. Yes, it can be, but not usually. (laughs) But it doesn't matter what the person says. They get beat up by Dave Moody, Mike Bag, you know, Bag, what is it, Bagley? Mike Bagley. Bagley, Pete Pistone. (laughs) It just on and on and on. On this beating of NASCAR fans has to end. See, this is we're on the same path because even yeah. it's happening from other NASCAR fans. I don't even know who, who, what fan they are, because I don't understand why NASCAR fans are beating up on other NASCAR fans because they're not jumping on board with them to try and bring down the sport. I don't understand that. So I really gonna, don't. I don't know gonna... why people are continually bad mouthing the sport. We're, be- we're just going to blow up the whiners tonight. Do it. Listen, blow up the whiners. It doesn't matter I'm so what you're whining all. about. I'm sick Am of I, it. Does Enjoy. that make me a whiner? No, no, no. We're, oh, we're exempt. God. We're exempt from this blowing. <sighs> so General Mattis, send in the big planes, please. Ah, sweet nice. sound of explosions. You got to love it. Well, Lori Monroe, before we wrap things up, it's time to hit the other NASCAR news headline. A class of five, Red Byron, Ray Everham, Ron Hornaday, Ken Squire, and Robert Yates have been named to the 2018 class of the Hall of Fame. I guess anyone with two wins can now get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but, you know, I think it's a good class. There's there's never a bad class going into the Hall of Fame. You're going to have your favorites as to who you do want to go in. And, of course, I'm sure, I am sure that Ray Evernham would, would trade his position this coming year if Smokey Unit could get in. You just oh. know it. He's a such a fan of his. So, you know, you're going to have your favorites. I'm very happy with everybody going in this year. Um, I've never been dissatisfied with with any of the classes at all everyone's going to eventually get in there maybe even timmy hill and it's pretty amazing because red byron what a story almost died in a helicopter crash with davy allison and now wait a minute that's somebody no that's something somebody said on facebook i couldn't believe my eyes what was this person on red red byron my god the man died like 70 years ago he had him conv- he had him mixed up with Red Farmer. I couldn't believe it. But he was your it. first Monster Energy Drink champion. <laughs> anyway, also in the news, how about this honor for Ty Dillon? Finn and Field names him the most interesting sportsman in the world. Who the hell was he running against? I'm not really sure, but it Lassie? must not have been much competition at all. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But then again, you know, I don't know who else was in the running. Yeah. Also in the news, Stuart Haas and Nature's Bakery have kissed and made up. And Nature's Bakery will sponsor four races this year. Yeah, this whole thing is still a mystery to me, though. You just really don't know any of the details of it. At least I don't. No. Very, uh, very strange indeed. And, you know, quite frankly, it's really none of our business, the the entire uh, the legal side of anything. But 
it's just so bizarre to me how how it all went down. Now, very bizarre because just a few weeks ago, they were basically claiming they were defrauded. And yeah. now they're back for another season. Yeah, I, just... I, I don't get it. Well, Laurie Monroe, it's that time of the week to give everyone our fearless predictions for the big race. The Coke 600. Who is your pick to win Sunday night? Call me crazy, but I'm going with Clint Boyer. That's a good pick. I Call actually like that pick. I like yeah. that pick. And I am going out on a limb this week. I'm picking Jamie McMurray. We're both sort of uh, skirting the uh, the outlying areas here, aren't we? Yeah, I just have this feeling that Jamie McMurray... Oh, he's on the cusp. Jamie McMurray's on the cusp. Just look yeah. at what his teammate's doing. That whole uh, Ganassi team is doing really, really good. Yeah, so those are our picks to click in the Coke 600. And all I know is I hope that the rain holds out until after the race because I don't want this one ending at 4 a.m., on Monday. Thanks for tuning Thank in to the final inspection. 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection. Jeff Orlowski here joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Garrett Gerloff, Moto America champion, defending champion. You you won the Supersport class last season. You're the point leader this season by four points. You already have two wins. What haven't you done already, Garrett? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I've uh, I've been crossing off the bucket list lately, but uh, definitely trying to get another championship under my belt this year. Well, you're definitely well on your way with two wins already. Uh, you won at Road America back in uh, back last season in 2016. Uh, does that uh, obviously has to give you confidence going into this year's race, right? Yeah, for sure. I really love uh, Road America. Just the whole facility and the track, especially. It's uh, it's pretty unique with all of the straightaways and and how fast we get going. Um, and then, you know, all the different corners and stuff there. It's, it's a really exciting racetrack. And, yeah, I had, uh, I had good success uh, here last year and also in the past. Um, but that second race last year, I let a, a French guy beat me at Road America. So <laughs> I'm going to try to not let that happen again this year. Maybe I'll, maybe <laughs> I'll sweep both races. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So Moto, uh, Moto America, they invade road america three days of racing june 2nd through 4th the dunlop championships at road america the fourth stop on the season for you guys and it also uh it's the longest track on the moto america calendar with road america being just over uh four miles does uh does being at such a long track does that present different challenges yeah, I mean, you would think that the longer the track, the harder the race would be just because of uh, a little bit more distance. But since there's so many long straightaways where we get going over 180 miles an hour, it's actually those are areas that we can kind of take a break from moving that 375-pound motorcycle back and forth. Um, so it's not as uh, hard of a track as some may seem. But like I said, with how fast we're going, it's, it's a really exciting raceway. There's a lot of really close racing 
a bunch of passing, a lot of drafting and stuff back and forth. And um, from what I hear, it's a really good place to watch. But I'm glad I'm on the bike and, and racing in, in the race, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like I said, you know, the the funny, I don't want to bust you out here, but you're only 21 years old with uh, with all the success you've had. You won the championship last year. Like I said, point leader this year. How did you get started in in racing? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm kind of the, the youngin in the class still. Um, but really, I started racing when I was uh, 12 years old is when I got my first road race motorcycle. And it was just a little bitty uh, motorcycle, kind of like a Yamaha R3, which some of y'all out there might know what that is. Um, and that's really just where I got my start. I, I just did it for fun and then started to take it more seriously. And we were racing in a, a championship called the We Are Nationals. And that's, uh, that's still a championship that's around today that anybody can go and, and join. It's an amateur championship, and it's uh, a lot of really great people there, family-friendly and all that. And uh, from there, I just started to get better and better and got uh, the attention of, of uh, sponsors and teams, and that's how I ended up on the Graves Motorsports team, which is uh, where I still am today. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's crazy thinking back on it, kind of how life lines itself up to uh, bring you to where you are, but... Uh, yeah, like I said, really excited to be happy on, on the team that I'm on. And, and anybody can get out there on a bike and, and uh, go for it, you know, try to get, get going and racing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Were you following, like, in your, in your father's footsteps or your mom's footsteps? Were they involved in racing at all? Yeah, my, uh, my dad has raced uh, motocross, actually, his whole life. So he was a dirt guy, and so was uh, my dad's dad. And so, really, the past for me was looking like it was going to be on the dirt. But um, along the way, we found road racing, and turns out I was a lot better at road racing than I was riding motocross. So it just kind of just lined up, and we started going down that path. And I never would have thought, you know, looking back when I was uh, 10 years old, that I would be uh, where I am today. But, you know, that's, that's, I set a bunch of goals, and this is, this is where I, I wanted to end up. And just, uh, yeah, really ex- excited to, to be where I am now. Yeah, I bet, man. That's fantastic. In your blood and with all the success you've had already, keep setting those goals. Uh, We're uh, joined by Garrett Gerloff on the uh, Great Midwest Bank Hotline here on the Final Inspection Show. So what's what's your next goal? You know, what series do you end up eventually wanting to be in and be champion of? What's the long-term goal for you? Yeah, so, I mean, Moto America, I want to be here in the U.S., uh, Moto America is doing an awesome job at uh, just bringing road racing back to, to where it should be. You know, we got a lot of fans coming to every race, and there's a lot of energy and excitement there and a lot of great racing. And uh, right now I'm, I'm still on the 600cc bike, the Yamaha R6. And, you know, next year or sometime uh, really soon, I'd really like to move up to the 1,000cc R1, the super bike. That's the, that's the place to be here in America, and that's really my next step i want to win a championship in that against some of the best guys in uh in the world uh we have american riders here and we also have uh foreign riders from different countries that have won world championships before and so i want to i want to be the best guy here in america and then my ultimate goal is to be uh in the world championship which is based in europe i mean ever since i was a little kid and started racing that's been what i've uh i've wanted to do and I don't know if some of y'all have heard, but uh, Nicky Hayden, who was uh, the last American MotoGP world champion, uh, he ended up passing away a couple of days ago. Yeah. Uh, really heartbreaking for all of us, but um, that's really, he was my inspiration, and, and he's still, like, uh, just my inspiration and my drive to really want to get to Europe and, 
and try to make uh, you know America proud and be kind of like a a person that uh, people could look up to. Or you know, I, he he was a great guy, and I just want to try to imitate him as best I can. And my goal is to go to to Europe to try to do that. Yeah, it's a fantastic goal. Obviously, Nikki Hayden was was just a monster in in racing and and just a huge loss and you know is unbelievably sad. Yes, yeah, it's terrible, but at least there's uh at least there's new life, you know. We got uh a bunch of good racers here and a lot of great people that uh that he touched and and uh, his legacy lives on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys definitely don't want to miss Moto America when they come to uh Road America June 2nd through the 4th the Dunlop Championships at road america all tickets come with paddock uh access which you know you can interact with the with the racers up close and personal with the bikes the teams and everything uh if you want more information on tickets you can go to www.motoamerica.com garrett i want to thank you for joining us here i appreciate the time and best of luck uh both at road america and for the rest of the season Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and I look forward to seeing uh, all those fans out there. Come say hi. Oh, yeah. Wisconsin will turn out for you, buddy. There we go. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Garrett. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. See ya. And we'll be right back with more of the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection show here on 105.7 FM. The fan Jeff Orlowski final inspection brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Check them out this weekend, today, tomorrow and Monday. Fantastic, fantastic lineup of events and also the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers. Visit them on the web at milwcar.com. Now joining us, or me, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, the man, Mr. Steve Zarki. Steve, how's Indianapolis treating you? It is fantastic. The weather here today is perfect. The last uh, few days, we haven't been really able to say that. They've had rain off and on. I mean, just actually for the last, seems like two months, they've been in this rain cycle, and it's been, you know, the the ground in that's thoroughly saturated, but uh, carb day yesterday, the weather had a little bit of rain in the morning, but uh, turned out really nice yesterday. And then we had a big thunderstorm roll in last night uh, through the city. But uh, today it's the spectacular Chamber of Commerce weather. Well, fantastic. What uh, What's the forecast looking like for the race tomorrow? It, now, you know, it, it's a forecast, and but... Uh, it looked a little sketchy early morning yesterday, but the latest uh, models, as De- our friend Dennis Michelson would like to say, is showing. Uh, um, it looks like we're expecting a couple of thunderstorms to roll through the area in the morning, like 6, 7 a.m., and then everything clears out. And then the usual, because it's going to be a little bit warmer, they're expecting some uh, thunderstorms or rain to roll in later in the day, so like 6, 6 o'clock or so or after. So. There's a window, as they say, for the race to occur, and they should be good. 
Okay, so now if the uh, race does end up being delayed by rain, do we get to blame you or Dennis Michelson? Uh, well, we should blame Dennis because he, he, you know, he's a trained meteorologist. Okay, I'll you know, buy that. I'll though, buy that. No, I don't know if he has his, his EMS card. You know, if it's up to date or not. But yeah, we'd have to blame Dennis. Okay, so if it rains, uh, everybody who's listening, send all your hate mail to Dennis Michelson at uh, Race Talk Radio on Twitter, and uh, he'll he'll love it. I'm sure. So, oh, yeah. so, so who's been impressive uh, in the practice sessions, uh, you know, and carb day and, and all that down in, in Indy this week, Steve? The whole month has been Fernando. You know, it, it's, you know, we should almost have been playing. Uh, that, should be our, that should have been our theme song, the, that ABBA song uh, for the show, especially for the IndyCar stuff. Because, I mean, and it's not like he's been, it's, it's not like, uh, someone 10 years ago that's kind of forced down our throat, you know, kind of type deal, a certain driver. But Fernando has just looked so good. And he's really taken to the track. And usually some, some drivers, when they come here, the first thing you'll notice is how close they get to the wall. And he went through his rookie orientation training and, and program and whatnot. And, you know, he showed some respect, but... Once they kind of took the training wheels off of him, he's running right up to the wall. He made a, a pass in practice uh, the Friday before qualifying that it was like, whoa, you, you don't see rookies showing confidence and making the move that he did between two cars. And the other thing, it wasn't a dangerous move. He made it look effortless. So from that point, you know, he's, looking fast you know fantastic now watch you'll crash in the first lap tomorrow and i'll look like an idiot but no it's not just me saying this it, it, even the grizzled veterans who don't like to give anybody credit are, are have been you know just gushing uh over how how good he's looked and how quick he came up to speed uh, at the speedway here yeah it definitely looks like uh like he caught on real fast you know he qualified fifth so he's going to start right there in the middle of row two and um you know he like like you said he's had speed the the entire month and uh and it should be a good showing now you uh you were able to to interview him weren't you Steve Yeah um yesterday or on right let's see no Thursday Thursday they have a it's a really neat deal in the in the Pagoda Plaza where I'm at, at now for those of you who've been on this at the speedway you see the big pagoda and to the inside of the track, there's a big plaza where there's all sorts of suites and whatnot where they'll have, uh, you know, corporate parties and whatnot. In fact, I'm in the Indianapolis uh, old-timers office room uh, off to the plaza. But on the north side plaza, they've been doing this for probably 12, 15 years, is they bring in two, two groups of drivers. They plop the drivers down at, like, a, a bar, like, like, like kind of like a, you know, like a bar, the, the stand-up table type thing. And uh, he sits down there, and you just rotate around to all the drivers. And, of course, Fernando had the biggest crowd. And, you know, there's all sorts of foreign media here. And usually some guys, you know, I mean, some guys will have four or five people is the norm. You know, and they, people rotate in and out. And I, I did, like, Spencer Piggott, I felt bad because he was by Spencer Piggott. We, we've had him on, on, on the show, and it's kind of an interesting program we'll – if you, if, when you listen to the next hour, 
you know, with a new team that he's coming in with, and, and he's he's a, he's a good good interview. So I did a quick interview with him, and then I went over by Fernando. I said, ah, I'm going to stick my arm in there and see what kind of uh, – I can get from Fernando, and I think you have a clip of that, don't you? Yeah, I do. Here's a clip of uh, Steve Zaki's exclusive interview with Fernando <laughs> Alonso. For of these stars, I will be more uh, uh, experienced. Up. Fernando, hablabas de, de lo bien que os lleváis aquí en Indy. ¿Qué mensajes te han llegado de tus amigos caimanes? Wow, Steve, I, I'm very <laughs> impressed by your Spanish. So yeah, needless to say, he was uh, in his Spanish mode at the time, talking to his uh, Spanish media brethren in his uh, home his uh, home country there. So uh, I was able to get a, a better uh, better kind of pool interview with him after Carb Day. So we'll hear that in the next hour after his final practice. It kind of goes into what he expects and that. And then also uh, it's a funny one with uh, Graham Rahal and. Uh, former Colts punter Pat McAfee, who's quite the character. And uh, when Pat McAfee walks over to the table, you just let her roll, just, you know, because you know it's going to be interesting. So there's a funny question that he has for Graham Rahal. That's, that's pretty entertaining that you'll see that. So if you're wondering who's the guy with the oddball question, that's, uh, that's, that's Pat. So Yeah, Pat is great. He's always entertaining. Yeah, we got we got tons of good stuff uh, coming up in the next hour. Eddie Cheever, uh, James Hinchcliffe, Rick Mears. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be it's lots of good stuff you got uh, from uh, Indianapolis for us. Yeah, it was with the Rick Mears. I was uh, it was it was weird because you when you do interviews, you, you tend to you know it's kind of like when you're going down the expressway, you kind of pass the same car like you know a few times. Mm-hmm. It was, that's the way it is with. And, and this this year was Dave Coleman. Seems like Dave Coleman and me were always at the same table, uh, interviewing the same guy. And and usually Dave is an excellent interview. So usually I'll let him take the lead. And and that's who you'll see, or that's who you hear with the Rick Mears interview, which he did a an excellent article on the Milwaukee uh, Journal Sentinel. And there's not he also did a tweet or in a Facebook post. Um, and Rick is just so eloquent, and he he can kind of understand. Uh, when, when you hear the interview, why Roger Penske keeps keeps him around because he has a way of communicating. Even though he's been out of the car for 25 years, he, he still understands it. He gets it, and he can communicate with the drivers from today. And he has a way of of, of, of kind of speaking about how a car is supposed to handle what you're supposed to do with the car. And and when you hear the interview, you'll you'll totally understand why. He's such a valuable uh, part of that team. All right. Well, we got to get to a break here. Uh, do you mind sticking around for another segment, Steve? Yeah, I can do that, of course. All right. Fantastic. Uh, we'll hear more from Steve Zaki when we return to the final inspection show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. 
Welcome back to the final inspection here on 105.7 FM. The fan, the final inspection brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and also the Na- Milwaukee area Napa Car Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. Let's bring Steve Zaki back in on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Now, Steve, going when I'm looking through the uh, the starting grid here, there's a lot of big-name drivers that did not qualify well. Um, I'll give you a few names and give me who you think will have the uh, the best race out of the bunch. You had Joseph Newgarden qualified 22nd, Helio Castroneves all the way back in 19th, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya in 18th, Hinchcliffe in 17th. You know, so there's some big names starting towards the, the rear of the field, Steve. Who do you think is going to have the best day out of those guys? Well, most of those you mentioned are the Team Penske cars. And, the, you know, they, they did struggle in qualifying. It's not the first time they have. But they're, you talked to them. I was at a press conference with them also on Thursday. And they were – there's no lack of confidence there as as there ever is with with Team Penske. They they they, they know what's going on. Uh, sometimes when a team knows they can't battle for the pole, they kind of say, "Well, okay, let's not worry about that. Let's put our emphasis on race strategy." And I, I think if you look at teams in the past, especially in the '90s, uh, Team Menard was a te- was a, a team that uh, fo- loved to focus on the pole. And they got the poll twice in 94, 95, and then actually in 96, too. However, when it came to the race, they would usually struggle with, I think, Allen's or senior in 92 had the best, the best uh, finish of them all with a, with a third. So, you know, it, it's it, Team Penske struggled in qualifying. And there's a lot of people around here that are like saying, well, that's no big deal. They're still your pick i'm in a i'm in a three-person pool i've been doing for many years with a couple of guys and, and um, you know i always I, I always you know like pick the penske cars first because you know you're more, more times than not you're gonna do fine okay in what do you think is the farthest back that you can start and still have a legitimate chance of winning the race two, two years ago Juan montoya had uh, had an issue which he had to make an early pit stop. He was running 33rd in the first 25 laps of the race. He went on to win the race. So it doesn't matter where you are. It, it, it's, it's how the car handles the traffic and whatnot, and, and that's the biggest thing. Uh, you're going to see the scuttlebutt is you're going to see it's going to be a very competitive race. There's going to be a passing, but you may not see as much passing as you have in the last couple of years. Sometimes as fans, we get spoiled with, with the quality of racing. And then when there's a one that's not as good as the year prior, they go, well, what's going on? But uh, you look at some of the races back in the 70s and, and, and in the 80s, you know, a lot of those races weren't as competitive as you wait, you know, as some like to remember them as. So uh, having a car that handles the traffic is very, very, very important. All right. Well, you know, last year for the for the 100th, Man, the the passing was just furious. It was th- that was one heck of a race, and you know, even right, if it turned, it, it turned out to be a fuel mileage race, though, too. You know, it's, it's the car that you know timed it. They got off strategy and they tried something very risky, but they had nothing to lose, and boom, they 
actually ended up winning the race. So, yeah, yeah, but you know, just the sheer number of passes last year, it was just I was right. blown away. And uh, well, it, you know, if they, if they can even get to eighty percent of that this year, it's still going to be fantastic. Well, yeah, and that's what was so incredible last year's race was he had such a furious pace, he had all this passing, and then the guy who wins the race, you know, he had speeds, you know, averaging 215, 219 miles an hour, you know, through traffic or whatnot. And the guy who wins it, I think the the last lap was, I think, 191 or 181 miles an hour or something on his last lap when he won the race. So, yeah, go figure. Well, uh, before we get into into our picks here for the Indy 500, let me just play that clip again of uh, Steve Zaki one on one with uh, Fernando Alonso. Por of these tasks, I will be more uh, uh, experienced. Up. Fernando, hablabas de de lo bien que os lleváis aquí en Indy. ¿Qué mensajes te han llegado de tus amigos caimanes de la ciudad? That is fantastic, Steve. I'm still blown yeah, I, away by that. I can tell you, I'm I am no uh, like our friend from Channel 58. I'm no Kevin Holt. <laughs> yeah, well, but your Spanish is impressive as well. So that that is fantastic. <laughs> I learn something new about you every day, every day. Okay, so now if say we're going to the window, entertainment purposes only. Uh, who is your pick for uh, for tomorrow's Indy 500? Uh, if I'm a betting man, I'd go with Dixon. But if I want to, for my heart, emotion, I want Fernando. All right. You think Fernando winning would be the best thing for, for IndyCar? Yeah. And you mentioned it's kind of interesting because uh, they talk about Hinchcliffe and that, the interview that's coming up. You know, he blew an engine yesterday in practice, and it's another one for Honda. And it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, wouldn't that be ironic if, you know, Alonzo was running Indianapolis because one of the reasons he has so many problems with Formula One and he's in position to win. And what, what if there's a motor issue with Honda? You know, it would be just such a kick in the teeth. But um, it'll be, you know, Honda's, Honda's have been very quick and I think they're trying some different stuff. And, and when you tend to do that, you'll have issues. So time will tell you know, what will happen during the race. Oh, that uh, that still doesn't deter you from picking Scott Dixon in a Honda, huh? No, no. I, I just think, you know, like I said, if you want to spread around, you can't go wrong with a Penske, you know, or the Chevy. But it'll be interesting, you know, interesting to see with, with Ganassi wanted to be the number one team with Honda. However, Andretti kind of has a trump card with Fernando, and they've been very fast with their Hondas. So you wonder if Schmidt-Peterson, and who Hinchcliffe drives for, you wonder if they've been just pushed down the total call a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with the Chevy, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, J.R. Hildebrand to uh, to okay. drink the milk in victory lane tomorrow. Yeah, they've been very fast, too. And uh, they've had such incredible frustrating luck especially ed carpenter he's been in position a few times you know, late in the race but it seems like with that 30 laps to go there's been an incident or something but that would be a huge hugely popular win since he's a local guy a couple of local drivers in the race of course would be uh, ed carpenter for one and then also uh, connor daly in the second aj foyt car yeah well you know 
when you when you look at the, at their four lap average speeds, you know Hildebrand is about a mile and a half slower than Scott Dixon, the pole sitter on the four lap average. So you know <laughs> we'll see. It looks like uh, like your pick's a lot better than mine, but uh, that you never know. You never know. So now so you write them down, so we have something to talk about next week, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've I've got them written down. I, I've been writing them down every single week. I haven't won yet. That's why we don't talk about it much. <laughs> oh, very good. How about the, how about the world six hundred? Uh, who's your pick on that? Um, I like uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott, huh? Well, uh, <laughs> that would seem like such a NASCAR win, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it would. I know um, uh, Lori Monroe picked Clint Boyer. Dennis Michelson picked Jamie McMurray. So uh, you picking Chase Elliott, that's that's three in a row, not uh, top-tier uh, stars there. I'm going to jinx my guy again and, and and go with Harvick from the pole. But, you I know, like that too, yeah. That, uh, that probably won't happen. Every time I pick him, it doesn't seem to go well. It just it just seems like if Alonzo would win, it wouldn't surprise me if Blaney or Chase Elliott won on the NASCAR side. Yeah. Not yeah. Talking conspiracy series, but it seems like it always works out that way, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. It oh, sure and then does. Monaco, I'll go I'll pick with my heart on that one. I'll go with Kimi Kimi Rackinen. All right, yeah, he's, he's got the, the pole, pole right? I'll do chalk on that one. That's not really chalk, but since Monaco is is David Hobbs mentioned uh, last week's show. It's such a hard place to pass. So it's a very technical track. He means a very technical driver. He's got the he's got the torch lit under him. It seems like so that'd be a neat win. All right. Well, he might I'm even smile. He might even crack a smile in victory lane. Ah, oh, well, I believe that when I see it. I'm gonna go with uh, <laughs> Botas on that one. Oh, okay. Keep my fingers crossed. But, uh, all right, well, Steve, thank you, and uh, enjoy the race tomorrow. And, you know, if uh, if it does rain and, and we get a slight delay, I'm going to blame both Dennis and you. Okay, very good. <laughs> all right, have a good time down there, Steve. All right. Take Sounds care. Good. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, Steve Zaki joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When you're ready to get into or back into the housing market, look no further than Great Midwest Bank. Visit greatmidwestbank.com to take the next step towards your new home. Now, when we come back, we're going to hear Steve Zaki's interview in English this time with Fernando Alonso. That's coming up here on the Final Inspection Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Let's get back down to Indianapolis and hear an interview with Fernando Alonso. Before we get final practice, I suspect you're ready to get down to racing. Yeah, I need to read this. 
for what No, I don't think you. If you'd like to, you could, and I'm sure some people would be interested. Ah, it's the 100 second running press conference. No, 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 no. We, we, we can have the reveal ahead of time. <laughs> okay. Tell us about your final practice. Ah, it was great. And, uh, it was uh, um, very smooth, you know. I think the car felt uh, the best so far in the, in the last two weeks. Uh, so, extremely happy with the car. I was um, there making some, some moves, some different lines, just to, to try what I saw in the last three or four days in different videos from different years. So, I was practicing that and what uh, I also did on the simulator in the last two or three days, I was putting in place there. And uh, yeah, the car felt great. So, extremely happy with, with today's car and today's performance. A lot of traffic out there, a lot of cars that feel different to you. Yeah, obviously it was a lot of action today and one hour session you have a lot of things happening, uh, everything is compressed on, on those 60 minutes so we had some uh, uh, yellow flags, we had some laps to, to test different things on the car um, and just even, you know, very normal things that for everyone else will be a straightforward for me, I don't know where, you know, if you change something on the, on the car. <laughs> where to find it, you know, on the steering wheel and things like that. So, you know, simple things that uh, I'm still running behind a little bit, but uh, today I think we put all the ticks in all the boxes and uh, extremely happy. Okay. One question. Fernando, Jordan Bianchi, SB Nation. Another Honda failure in practice. Is, is this a concern going into the 500? <laughs> I mean, as, as long as it's in practice, it's, it's okay, you know, I mean, uh, in, in, if you put it in another way, you know, if the practice today was 10 minutes shorter, that could happen on the parade lap, so I think uh, it's, it's a good thing that these things happen in practice, like this, we can uh, make sure that uh, we learn and uh, we, we save engines for the race, so no concerns, not, um, not thinking uh, on, on that problem, and uh, I'm 100% will be okay. Thank you very much for coming in, Fernando. We appreciate it. Well, there's Fernando Alonso from Indianapolis. Uh, he starts fifth in tomorrow's race. Now let's hear from Rick Mears. Coach, Penske driver for so many years, drawn from your experience. If you were to talk to Alonzo, you know, in the same manner as a coach, what would you tell him to expect for your first time here coming from Colonial? I'm not going to tell him anything because he's still got time to hear this before the race. <laughs> <laughs> no, to me, the main thing here, you know, early on is patience. You know, it's just... There's no substitute for laps around this place. You know, it's it's not that difficult a place to go out and run decent speeds. It's getting the last two, three, four percent that's the hard part. That's when it becomes difficult. And uh, and, and that, you know, even that is, you know, you can pick up, say, a percent. It's not that much more difficult. But by the time you start to pick up that last one or two percent, it's very difficult. And that comes with seat time and, and just fine-tuning your line, you know, getting comfortable with the feel of the car, what it's, you know, trying to listen to the car and what it's telling you that it wants to do. And, uh, and that's, just, that's just seat time, small steps. So patience usually is one of the first things I tell anybody that's new around here. Uh, go out and do what feels right to you. Always believe your ass. It doesn't lie to you, you know. 
I know I've questioned mine a lot of times and come to find out it wasn't mine. So, um, you know, those are a couple of the main things. But he's he's got, you know, he's he's a racer. I, you know, I would have been much more surprised if he didn't do it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, because he comes from an open-wheel background, which, you know, I've always kind of the difference in cars, say, between stock cars and, and don't get take don't take it wrong, stock cars are not, I'm not saying they're easier to drive, but stock cars yell at you what they're going to do, give you a warning. Yeah. I'm going to slide, catch me, okay. Yeah. Indy cars whisper. Mm. You know, you got to listen very close or it'll bite you and things happen quick. So learning what, how to listen to it, you know, and what it's telling you that it's going to do before it happens, not after it happens. And uh, those are those are some of the main things around this place. And that's part of what takes seat time to, to really get to get it down to the fine part. You know, like qualifying. I'm sure I'm sure he feels he left some on the table qualifying. You know, and, and if he didn't, he did, whether he even knows it or not, because you give him another year or two under his belt, and he'd find out. You know what? There was more out there. I just didn't realize it then, because I went through that same stage. You know? After winning here once and two or three years of the sun of my belt, I remember thinking, you know, I've kind of got a handle on this now. And then I ran another year and looked back. I didn't know anything. I just thought I did. So I ran another year, same feeling, looked back, hmm, still learning. And then I realized that continues on. It's never, there's always another level. But he's going to do well. And uh, his learning curve will be the race. It'll be dealing with traffic, turbulence, you know, all that. And uh, you'll learn, he'll learn more in this race than he learned in all the practice put together. Because you, you end up getting put into situations that you never would you know, in, in practice. And that's part of, a big part of the learning curve. But he'll be fine. He'll be good. He's good. He's a racer. Rick, this is obviously a big race, but to Roger it seems almost like an international summit or something is so so important. Have you seen him change as far as this race goes over the years? Has it just gained an importance for him as it's going on? In the wind? Yeah, it's never it's never gone the other way. This place is well, it's our Super Bowl. You know, it is our Super Bowl, and and Roger just loves this place. And uh, you know, if there's if there's any place that ever gets him on the rev limiter, it's here. You know, and, and he's been like that since day one, and I don't see it slowing down any. I mean, if anything, it gets more intense. You know, what I mean, not intense, but just he's a racer himself. You know, he understands that. You know, it's all about development. How do we improve? You know, we said, and that's what was great. You know, driver for Roger, him as a driver. When I came in and said the car is doing this or doing that, he says. You can't drive it like that. We gotta fix it. You know, he understood where I was coming from, and uh, and, he, and that same philosophy basically goes in in the team or business. You know, okay, we had a good month. How do we improve it next month? We had a good corner. How do we improve the corner next time around? You know, it's all about going forward. How do I improve? How do I improve? And and he deals with his companies and business, and, you know, same way you, you do with the race car and, and then he deals with the team the same way okay we ran well but you know you know when the checker flag falls Sunday he says okay what are we doing next weekend you know when the checker flag falls here he says okay how are we, what are we gonna what changes do we need to make for next year you know to make it better can you compare how you felt 
winning this race as compared to how you felt handing that win, those wins to Roger? Is that almost as, as important for you as Sure, sure. No, it, it's, I mean, it's very important because he's the one that allowed me to get it for me, you know, by giving me the tools I needed to, you know, to, so it's almost like you feel like you're, you're, you're saying thank you to him for giving me the opportunity and giving me the tools by winning the race, you know. And that's what I said a while ago about qualifying. Qualifying to me was always kind of a, because you can win from any seat in the house here. But first of all, for my ego, I want to be up front. Secondly, qualifying was another race. I want to win that race also. And then there's the 500 miles. But also qualifying was kind of, you know, if I could set the thing on the pole, you know, pull out all the stops, hang it out on the right rear, hold my breath, do my job, put that thing on the pole and come down pit lane and see the smile on Roger's face, on the team's face, that to me was a thank you for giving me the opportunity, you know. And, and winning this race is, is like that tenfold. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Got a winner from last year who won his first time out. You got a guy. I mean, so people look at Alonzo as a guy who can win it on his first time out. You're working with two guys who won the Indy in their first appearance. If a guy wins it in his first try, does he miss something? I mean, it, 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 do you think it it, it, it affects him differently if he had? He, he doesn't. He doesn't. Well, it, it depends on the individual. Everybody's different. But to me, it would be like just if I just base it on what. What I did, which I won it the second try, you know, um, it was, they do miss something, but they don't realize That's the way it would be anyway, you know. It's like, oh, great, we won another race, you know. Let's go to the next one, let's go to Milwaukee. And, and I didn't realize how difficult it was. So that part, I mean, you know it's difficult. You know, you know it is. I mean, anybody with, you know, with, with their mind can see how difficult it is to do, just by the numbers of winners there are and just simple calculation and how many guys have run here. You know, so you know it's difficult, but you don't really realize how difficult until after you've run it a few more years. You know, then with me anyway. I can say everybody's different, but I, you know, it's like great one another race, and then you go another year, and you don't win it the next year, and another year and you don't win it. You start looking around, there, wait a minute, there's a lot of guys that have never won this thing, been here a lot of years, and very few of them that have won it have won it more than once, so the odds are getting slim, you know, of winning it again, and that took place with me every every time, you know, after the third one, it's like. You know, there's only been a handful of guys that have won three times. You know, the odds of winning four is really slim. But I think the first time you, you know, but, it, but again, it depends on the individual. He may not miss the same things I did. You know, may not miss anything. But uh, to me, it was, if you win it that early, you're going to miss something, but I don't think he even realized it. Yeah. So Elio probably has a different appreciation for winning that first one now than he did the day after he won that. I would just about put, you know, everybody always thinks your first one's the best one. And and mine was the fourth one. The first one will always have its place, but the fourth one, and for several reasons. One, because it's close to in your career, you know you aren't going to have many more chances. Uh, it, it puts a little more importance on it. And then, uh, secondly, is because it boiled down to a shootout. And we finally got to have a shootout at the end of a race. 
you know, gear for that every event, but that's the only one that materialized. And those are always the more gratifying win. And I'd, I'd rather do it that way, be more gratifying that way, than a five-lap lead, you know, even if we earned all five laps. But, um, but I, I, I'd almost put money on it. If you went and asked Elio if he won it again, which one he thinks would be most important. I'd just about guess he'd say the net, net fourth. I think so at that point, probably. Yeah. yeah. Because to me, it just got stronger all the time. You know, and, and part of what I missed was not knowing. I didn't grow up around here, so I didn't understand the history, you know. I didn't live it like a lot of them have. And uh, so as you go on down the road, you start realizing, wow, you know, and you start looking around, you get a little older, a little wiser. You're looking at the history of this place and all the, the, the drivers and teams that have come through before you and start learning more about it. And, just, and that all just builds on itself, you know, and just gets more and more important. So besides it being the Super Bowl, then all of that starts adding up too. Let me ask you a little historical perspective. Head injuries, concussions, and certainly the world, sports world pays infinitely more attention right. to them now. Can you kind of give me a feel for how, I mean, I only pulled Will out of the car and he misdiagnosed concussion there last year. Um, but how, how, like how the series deals with, how the sport deals with concussions now compared to to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I don't know. I haven't, you know, I haven't really even followed it around or you know dealt with them uh, myself. Um, I, I know they they pay a lot more attention to it than they ever have, obviously. But in the detail, it's what they do, how they do it, and numbers, and you know how many times or what any of that kind of thing. I have no idea what they what they do. But you know, obviously they they pay a lot more attention to it. But you know. But today with the headrest and the type padding we use and the improvement and all of that and the helmets and everything else, you know, it's obviously much, much better than it used to be. Any idea how many time, how many concussions you had over your career? No. Uh, no, I've had, I know I've driven 50 miles out in the desert and don't remember to this day in a desert race. You know, I've, I've run my bell a few times, but... Um, I don't want to know how many times. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember how many times. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah, but no, I, you know, I've run my bell quite a few times. But, hey, whatever it is, it is. Yeah. You know, I could sit on the couch all day and never move and make sure I never ring my bell. How much fun would that be? No, it's not living. So. You know, to me, to me, not saying that not all that can be done should be done, but. I'm not going to live in a vacuum either. You know, you got a life to live, and and, and this is a dangerous sport, and it always will be. And um, again, don't take it wrong. You never stop trying to make it safer. Never stop trying to make it better. That's what we do. But you know, if you get, if it, 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 you know, that's part of the draw. You know, is somebody sitting up there saying, wow, I couldn't do that, you know. So that's part of what makes autosports unique. But, um, but obviously we got to keep it, making it as safe as we can. Thanks. Huh? You were referencing early in your career, you don't know what you can do with the car. Were you referencing uh, 82 and then no. with 91? With 91, no. were you able to make that pass? No, or? no, it... it 
No, I, as a matter of fact, that, that, that same question came up not long ago because um, there, there were comments made after that. I would, if that happened to me today, with all the information I had at the time, and I had that same information, I'd do exactly the same thing. That's good to know because there's some, I've, I've heard that too, that's why I wanted to verify that with you. You know, if, because John Cox Cagey and all that and Young Mirrors, this and that, and yeah. so that's good to know. It had nothing to do, now, now after the fact and what I learned, mm-hmm. well obviously I'd do it different. 2020's hindsight. Right. Hindsight's 2020, so, you know, but with everything that had happened throughout that day that led to that point, all the information that I had, I'd do exactly the same thing. Thank you. That's uh, four-time Indy 500 winner Rick Mears. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski. The Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Get out there all weekend long. Just a jam-packed schedule. Slingshot, dragsters, jet cars, old-school funny cars. Get out to Great Lakes Dragway. Also brought to you by the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. Let's get back down to Indianapolis and let's hear from Eddie Cheever. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. I'm back with Eddie Cheever, who will be doing commentary on the ABC telecast for this year's Indianapolis 500. And we thought it couldn't get much better than last year with the 100th running. But this year, there almost seems to be almost a bigger buzz, isn't there? Well, you're you're right. It's gotten better every year, I think, over the past six. But this year it is special because you have a two-time Formula One champion. That is not racing the whole series, but just came to do the Indy 500 and hasn't been since the 60s when we had Graham Hill, Jackie Stewart, Jim Clark, they came here. That we've had such a big buzz. So I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's really cool. And it's, it's given a different feel to the race. There's a, there's a little bit more electricity in the air. There's a scent of danger. There's a scent of not knowing what's going to happen. And we saw this in, in 1993 with Nigel Mansell, uh, especially at like, uh, places like Milwaukee, where the international media almost brings that little extra panache to the event and, and the, the buzz and everything. And we're certainly seeing that with Alonzo this year. And it's almost scary how quickly he's come to grips with Indianapolis. But Indy, Graham Rahal said it, you're always brave until you hit the wall that first time. Is that something that he, that could be lurking out there for him, that he has to be... But he's got such a powerful group behind him, though. I'm sure they're whispering in your ear saying, it's not this easy. The first saying that I learned when I came to the States to race in ovals is there are two types of oval drivers. There are those that have hit the wall, and there are those that are going to hit the wall. It's there. It never disappears. And... Uh, it's something you have to learn learn to live with. Uh, and that's the boundary that you don't pass. 
But when you're racing somebody for the lead in the Indianapolis 500, you don't feel that the wall is there. Everything, everything goes away. You're, you're racing for glory. You're racing for history. So uh, the wall doesn't give a shit if you're Fernando Alonso or a young American rookie that's doing his first race. It's just as hard for both of them. Can you envision yourself, let's say in 1982, you're running for Renault, and an opportunity coming where you could run Indianapolis, you would skip Monaco? No, no. That's why I think this is a very rare occasion. Um, McLaren, I think, is the second winningest race, uh, racing team in Formula One. They're going through a terrible period right now. Their, their, their engine is worse than bad. When it improves, it will be bad. And yet they have one of the best race car drivers in the world. And um, who's probably earning $40 million a year, and yet he's coming here to the States, not for money, but just because he wants to be in a competitive car again in an important, in an important race. So would I have imagined myself from doing that? Hell no, I would have never thought. No, there's no way I would have. And I'm an American race car driver. There's no way I would have done that. But I guess if you were with a really poor a race car that, that wasn't um, competitive, then probably yes. I'm, you know. But this is, guy who, this is the guy who stopped Michael Schumacher from winning, I think, his sixth mm -hmm. Formula One season in a row when he was 24 years old. He's very unabashedly said, you put me in any car and I will beat anybody. So I'm sure he carries some of that with him here, but this is another planet. This is not planet Earth. This is planet Indianapolis. It's different. It's different. It's... It's, it's strategy mixed up with bravery, mixed up with incredibly high average speeds. It's, it's so many different things rolled into one big ball of wax that his learning curve is going to be straight up like a rocket. And it has to be. He's never done a rolling start since he was racing go-karts. He's never gone into a corner with three of us going 200 miles an hour with so much turbulence. You can barely see. You have to guess where you're going to go. He's never gone four into a corner that only fits one. And yet, more than once, four people will try to filter their way through it. And if anybody in that ballet, ballet makes a mistake, all four cars go out. But your brain has got to tell you, don't take that bait. Don't go there. Don't go here. Or do take that one. And you've got to learn all that really quickly. So he has to learn what normally would take a driver six races, one race, to do all that. We have David Hobbs on the show, and he said that for him and other drivers from the road racing point of view, uh, Indianapolis is a, a little bit easier because some of the turns, you can treat them like road racing turns, like Spa or Monzo. Was, was that the case with you in 1990? No, no, no. No, I've, I've raced at Spa. I've raced at Monza. I finished on the podium on both of those tracks. No, no. Eau, Eau Rouge, which he's talking about, is a corner that goes down into a gully in six gear, and you take a right, mm -hmm. you bottom out, then you go up a hill and you take a left. And it's hard. But if you make a mistake, you go through 100 feet of sand, then you go through six rows of catch fencing, and then you go into a soft guardrail. You make a mistake here, you're into a wall, a safer barrier now. But nevertheless, it's, it's, it's over, it's done, your race is finished. So I, I don't think you can compare I think that's a bad analogy that David has made. Of course, when he ran it, they probably had barbed wire back then. But <laughs> <laughs> well, They were definitely not going into the corners at 240 right. miles an hour. Uh, you, there's a bucket, and the ABC crew is pulling drivers out for their names for the, the pool this year. Whose name do you want to pull out? Dixon. Dixon. Yeah. So all this noise about, Dix, about Alonso is great for Dixon. 
it takes, even if he, after he wins the, the, the pole <coughs> with a great lap, everybody keeps talking about Alonso. So the fact there's so much focus on Alonso, not any on Dixon, I think is good. It keeps a lot of pressure out of his team. But Dixon is phenomenal at this type of racing. He's finished, he's finished second way too many times. Um, they're no longer sponsored by Target. Uh, they've changed engine manufacturer. And there's a lot of bent-up ambition, I think, in Chip Ganassi's team, which that you could see them just be a little extra spark for them to execute perfectly. And Dixon, somebody should stick a hole in Dixon with a pin because I'm not sure he's human. But <laughs> we'll see. All right, thank you. That's Eddie Cheever, ABC Sports, and, of course, IndyCar driver, Formula 1 driver, BMW driver, you name it. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Let's get right back down to Indianapolis and hear from Graham Rahal. <laughs> This every year, believing that we have a chance to win. You know, I don't want to be running at Indy's fun. You know, but it's it's not that fun if you're not here with a with a legitimate shot to win. So that's what we show up and try to do. Talk about trying to fit those pieces of the puzzle together. I mean, do you have a gauge of what pieces those are they need to fit together that you're missing? Well, I don't think we're missing anything. Uh, frankly, I think it's just a matter of you know it all falling into place. We have the pieces. We have the team. We have the car. Uh, I hope we got the driver. Uh, you know, they, they, it's all there. It's just, I always say, you know, Indy, uh, I, and I've said a hundred times this media session, but Indy's its own beast, and, and she kind of writes her own story, and it just depends on whose story it is that year, and hopefully it's ours this year. I mean, we've got the pieces. It's just everything's got to kind of fall in place, so we'll see. You're Do so, you have a question, you're sir? You're so attractive. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you. How long did it take for you to do what you did to Connor Daly's bus the other night? That was not me. Actually, I didn't even, I figured it was you, of anybody, but I did not even see what happened. So that was not you? No. Tony Kanaan said it wasn't him? It's Tony Kanaan. It would be Tony Kanaan, Hinch, and Rossi. Those are your three, and they're the suspects, I guarantee it. If you were a kitchen appliance, which kitchen appliance would you be, Grant? Oh, man. Uh... Indy's its own beast. I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'll say I'm, I'm going to be a fridge because I like to be calm and cool in, in all situations. You heard it here first. <laughs> it's cold as hell. The last, the last. Cold as hell. <laughs> all right. Thank you, uh, Graham Ray Hall. We only got a, about a minute or so to go, but let's hear a little bit from uh, Spencer Piggott from Indianapolis. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. I'm here with uh, Spencer Piggott, who's doing, I guess you could say, a one-off race with uh, Yunko's Racing, and that's a new team. Why don't you tell us how this all came about? Yeah, well, it all came about um, not too long ago, actually, pretty close to the start of May, and, you know, obviously we were trying to to get in the Indy 500, and it all really worked out to be, to re- uh, reconnect with Yunkos Racing and, and rejoin their team so um, you know it's uh, it's been a great experience so far it's been really cool to see Yunkos Racing in IndyCar uh, their you know traditional white green and orange paint schemes going around the track um, so it's, it's been great to be a part of it yeah it, it's been a um 
it must be kind of interesting being on, from your point of view, this is a kind of a team that came from the Ashes KV Racing, but they've been around for years in the Mazda uh, Road to Indy program, so it's good to see them. I think for a while there's been a lot of fans and, and people involved in IndyCar racing. Who's going to be that next team in the series? And Yunko's really stepped up, and he's a fascinating story, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ricardo uh, really came over here with, with nothing and uh, came from Argentina to Miami, and that's where I first met him. You know, I started driving go-karts for him when I was uh, nine years old, so I've known Ricardo for, for over half my life, and and it's just been, uh, you know, a great experience to be with him through karting, to be with him in Pro Mazda and Indy Lights and, and win so many championships and races together, and, you know, obviously as I moved up to IndyCar, we kind of split ways because he was is still focusing on, on Indy Lights, and, uh, you know, it's been very special to, to be a part of their first foray into IndyCar racing. It must be neat. Well, there was Spencer Piggott from Indianapolis. Uh, that'll about do it here for the final inspection show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. I want to give a big thank you to uh, Roy Henning from Great Lakes Dragaway, who joined us, uh, Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe, all the NASCAR talk, Steve Zaki live from the track at Indianapolis, uh, Garrett Gerloff, Moto America racer. I thank him as well. And then all the interviews that you heard, James Hinchcliffe, Spencer Piggott, Graham Rahal, Eddie Cheever, Rick Mears, Fernando Alonzo, the list goes on and on. Enjoy Memorial Week, Memorial Day weekend, everybody, and uh, enjoy the racing. Enjoy the Indy 500, the Grand Prix of Monaco, and the Coca-Cola 600. Get out to Great Lakes Dragaway and check out all their action this weekend as well. Thanks for listening to the final inspection here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.